This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, how's everyone doing? Thanks for tuning in. Another live stream of the Business Storytelling Podcast. We're moving right along here with all the episodes. It looks like we should be live on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Periscope, and Amazon Live. By the time the podcast version comes out, Periscope is history. In case you haven't heard about that, it's going away. But I'm told Twitter live video is coming to us. So that's exciting to see. Um, I don't know how that's going to work technology-wise. I'm just moving around my guest here on the next screen. As you know, I do live stream my shows with Switcher Studio, switcherstudio.com. Uh, David over there, Utepia on uh, Amazon Live. Thanks for joining me, uh, joining us today. I appreciate that. And of course, if you watch my shows on Amazon, I do a lot of live streams now off my vacuum cleaner and me working. And, you know, people are tuning in, so I'm going to keep doing them. So what a treat, right? I'm actually now talking. This is an official live stream of the podcast. So today, we want to talk about project management. And here's the thing. I'm a creative. You know where I'm going with this, right? I'm a creative. Don't put me in a box. I don't need tasks. I'm just creating, blah, blah, blah. That's something I've heard plenty of times. But we still need project management and project managers. Now, of course, um, sometimes we have to play those roles, but what goes into project management? What do we need to do? What do we need to keep in mind? How do we keep things in one place? And who better to bring on the show here, Bernardo Torado. I'm going to bring him on in a second. Um, he actually wrote a book on project management um, that's linked in the bottom there. And hopefully you can check that out. But let's get him out of the green room here and on the show, and we can talk about project management and how you can use that. Bernardo, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to be here with you and with your audience. So thank you so much for, for having me here. And it's a great question that you ask as it relates to why is project management important? And it's not about putting people in boxes. I think it's a matter of just really uh, taking some time to think a little bit more. So it's kind of similar to being creative where you're trying to think through as to what you're going to create. And there's some parallels as it relates to that. But when it comes to project management, there's different things that come uh, come to mind to be able to make sure you're planning and thinking ahead. Yeah, it's, de it's definitely interesting. And, you know, really the way I meant that too is those are some of the excuses we sometimes hear, right? Don't we, why do we have to do this? And I still remember back in the day, now it's pretty common writers, we write in boxes, right, for SEO and other reasons. Um, and back in the day, people were really fighting that. I, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do this? You know, things certainly evolve. But tell us about your journey into project management. Why is that important to you? And, and, and how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, thank you for, for asking that question. And so I am an industrial psychologist, which means that I study human behavior in the workforce. And so I spend the majority of my time working in very large scale organizations, uh, focusing on uh, introducing new processes, introducing automation, and also looking at ways as to how organizations 
function efficiently. And so as a part of that journey, what I started to realize is that there's a lot that goes behind the scenes to make sure that work gets done in a timely manner where you're able to meet deliverables, meet deadlines, and also stay within the budget that you're given. And so when I look across my history working in large corporations before I ventured out on my own, there's always been an element of having to plan ahead and think through what specifically you're trying to get accomplished. But more importantly, how do you really motivate people who are uh, basically volunteered to work with you on a project and they don't wanna be there. So that's where I kind of married industrial psychology and project management for quite some time, which is about leadership and how do you motivate people to be able to work for you on something that in essence, you're not necessarily paying them to do that because they're working to do something else, but they're there as volunteers to really help you out in being able to execute on a specific project itself. And so that's actually what led me to writing this latest book because I have a few books that I've published, but this one is really more a notebook because there's a lot of things that go in uh, in planning and thinking about how do you actually start a project and we can talk through an example where you're like even painting a room sometimes you go paint a room like let's say you want to paint your bedroom or your living room and then you all of a sudden like the color and you're like oh you know what I'm going to do the, the, the bedroom and I'm going to do the kitchen and I'm going to do this and as a result you start to realize it's overwhelming and so as a result of that that's known as scope creep because your initial design or your initial intention was to design to paint one specific room. So these are kind of um, elements that really fly in, that go into different areas that really help you figure out ultimately how to budget the money, how to paint, you know, should you even bother outsourcing someone uh, to paint the room for you in the example I'm just providing. Definitely interesting. And the one thing that kind of struck a chord with me a little bit when you mentioned um, the cost and the resources. So uh, I don't know if you were referring to this, but but time and, you know, the people involved, I mean, that's, you know, project management can actually keep costs under control, right? If we're efficient, if we're doing the right steps at the right time, because if I don't follow that process, if I want to paint the one room and it takes me, a, that might be a bad example because that's at my house, but right, if that was at work, um, I I only have so much time and the longer it takes me, the more it costs me, right, uh, based on my time. Well, you're right, because if, even with the example of painting a room, some, sometimes you have to ask yourself, how much is my time worth? And you say, I'm going to budget, I'm going to do this on a Friday and just do it one day. And let's say I budget 10 hours for it. But then as you start to go through the process itself, it turns out to be the whole weekend. So instead of being 10 hours, it's 30 hours. Now, okay, you have the hours narrow, narrowed down. But let's think about your cost. So let's say you say I'm worth $20 an hour or $30 an hour. You start multiplying that on an hourly rate and then multiply that by the time that it actually took you to do it. You ask yourself, would have been better off just hiring someone to do this who has all the equipment so I don't have to even pay for the equipment, who has the paint. And actually, if it doesn't, if it doesn't look the way I like it, I can have the person repaint it. So there are elements that actually are in parallel to just the time, the cost, the planning, and all these other things that we don't take into consideration just with a simple example as painting. Well, and what's interesting, you know, the the time, I mean, it's just an interesting example um, of how how to think about it. Um, but when you start, how how do you figure out 
what is the right amount of time of planning? What's the right amount of time of uh, project management? So I'll give you an example. Uh, Marketing. What content never performs? Who knows? Hey, David, I see you commenting on Amazon Live. Appreciate it. Thanks for following. Any questions, let us know. Um, But how do you, you know, I always preach, what content doesn't perform? Do you know, Bernardo, it's the content. No live stream will ever perform if you don't publish it. No article will ever perform if you don't publish it. Now, you got to plan ahead a little bit, too, and do some of those things. But where's that fine line in your experience? Like, how much do you plan? How much do you manage? How much do you do, for lack of a better term, um, to move forward? Or does it depend by project, maybe? So there's something known as um, orders of magnitude, which is a theory that basically you're taking the... It's kind of like finger in the air and figuring out what specifically is it going to take you to be able to do the project. And that's because time, how much money, how much effort. And then at the end, as you kind of move forward with the actual project itself, you start to fine tune a bit more as to what specifically is it going to cost to be able to deliver the project. So to answer your question in regards to how much planning goes into executing on a particular project, even with content marketing, you're planning a month, maybe two, or sometimes even three months in advance as to what specifically you're going to produce as it relates to assets or as to uh, actual documents. So I do think that there is an aspect as to what your objective is going to be. And how do you go about making sure you plan ahead? And the planning part is not analysis paralysis. I think that's what many people get caught up on. It's just simply saying, okay, let me just think through all the variables that I need to get this work done. And instead of doing it in piecemeal, let me take a day to figure that out. And I and I think that's that's actually the, the, the better word, analysis paralysis. So you don't want to do that, but you want to have that right amount to, to get started and then move forward. How, where do you see project management fall within a company? Like, like who runs it or, you know, what's the best setup? And, and I guess that also depends on the size of your company. Um, do you know what I mean? But, um, you, you know, where, where do you start to have better project management? Well, what I found is that uh, there are two types of folks that fall into project management. Those that are good with Excel and are good with keeping lists of tasks. And so there's a default or by de facto, they become the project manager. And those that actually are really interested in learning project management and understanding the methodologies and tools necessary to execute projects in a way that will minimize any sort of failure. And so in regards to the first camp, it's really around thinking through um, and the structuring of what exactly is the business problem that you're trying to solve. And that's exactly why I created this book was because it is, these are questions that project managers ask themselves day to day, but you don't have to have the certification to manage projects. And you don't have to be a project manager again, to be a, to, to be a, a managing projects in and of itself, because ultimately what you have to figure out is What's the problem that you're trying to solve? How much money is it going to cost to solve it? Or what's the benefit of the project itself in, uh, in itself and how is it going to benefit the organization? So when you're looking at projects, the first thing is really thinking about the solution and the problem statement. And then the second part to that 
is then thinking through what kind of resources will it take to be able to solve that particular solution. So going back to that orders of magnitude, you may think it may take you three months or six months. Uh, let's just say let's say it'll take you three months. You think it's going to take three months, but a week into it or two weeks into it, you realize it's going to take you a lot longer. That's why it's extremely important, whether you are a project manager or not, that you're in constant communication with the stakeholders, the people who are actually sponsoring the actual project itself, so that they're aware as to what's happening as you're evolving with the project itself. But wasn't there a joke, something about estimating time, take the time you think it'll take and then double it? Maybe that's well, yeah. not a joke. <laughs> no, but it actually, you know, a lot of project managers do put buffer time in there. And at least the the more experienced ones will always put buffer, maybe not double, but they'll put buffer in there because they know something will always go wrong. Always. And you know what? It's interesting how many live streams I do. And I don't know, currently I probably do them a couple times a week, maybe not daily, but, you know, three to four times a week. And it's fascinating to me how little goes wrong because it's so easy for anything to go wrong. You know, internet doesn't work or technology doesn't work or or whatever. Um, so one thing that happens in a lot of content projects, especially that I've seen over the years, there is unnecessary tasks, unnecessary time. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually, of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road. And if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. Now, in that instance where project manager comes in, it's really more of the relationship side than actual tools. Like if you're able to have a good relationship with the person and true trust and transparency, chances are they'll probably move your stuff up the ladder unless like if they if they didn't like you, it'll probably be on the lower end of everything else. Oh, by the way, I love your kitten. <laughs> it's cute. Oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> That's one of them. I oh my goodness. Those cats, they're like dogs. Like they just kind of follow me around all day. I'm surprised the other one isn't down here. And yeah, so just uh, let's hope he's not going to jump through the ring light up here. So um, I, I like the relationship aspect for sure. And, and you know, shout out to Lori Schoenhardt. She actually lives a couple streets down. And and I worked on, with, with her on some projects a few years ago, uh, creating an app for a large healthcare system. And just the way she managed the relationships, but also the steps. And when she showed me, she she said something like, can you review all these things we have to do? And I'm like, I guess we have to do all those things, <laughs> you know, but didn't even come to my mind. And then, of course, you have so you have to have that right mix. It's like it's a little bit art and science, I suppose. It definitely is. And that's one of the reasons why I was always attracted to this particular discipline, because you could be right out of school, leading a team of people and not having any leadership experience or someone who's super se seasoned and also not having a leadership experience where you now have to lead specific teams. And leadership is also about building relationships and inspiring. So those things really do become very important. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so 
I've been thinking about the comment about what can you do so you give people guidelines or barriers, not barriers, guardrails, I guess, something like that. And what's interesting is in content marketing, so I'm thinking about social, replying to another tweet should should never require approval by anybody. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you might, I mean, you don't need to get it approved. Should we say thank you? Should we retweet it? If that's your strategy, you should just do it. To content marketing, there is a level of, I don't necessarily think of it as approval, but when you're writing, you know, I always feel like somebody has to, you know, it's hard to edit yourself. It seems like I'm frozen. Am I frozen on your end? You are, yes. Okay, looks like I'm back now. It happens. That's the world of live streaming. That's exactly right. Things are things are moving along. Um, so you mentioned earlier how to start. So kind of walk me through a project on 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 how would that look, um, especially you know if people who don't routinely do it. The first thing I would say is to take some time to actually remove distractions and think old is it that you're looking to deliver? So the first, as I mentioned before, and I think now I'm frozen, is um, finding and determining what's your pro uh, problem statement. The problem statement is extremely important to be able to define. And so the reason why you want to know what the problem statement is, is because then you know exactly what you're going to be delivering. And that's the first. The second is then determining the timing associated with how it will take you to solve that problem. How long is it going to take you? How much money is it going to take you to solve that problem? And then once you've got kind of the is really what is actually going to be included and not included in the solution that you're looking to deliver. And the reason why I say included and not including, going back into the uh, the part of painting, for instance. So if I'm painting the, let's go with the with the bedroom, and I am sitting there thinking about, okay, what do I need to do? Okay, you're just going to get a couple of pan, uh, uh, gallons of paint. Uh, let's say your paintbrushes are um, old. You need new paintbrushes. You need a, a paint can. Pretty simple, right? Well, are you going to paint the ceiling? Are you going to paint the trim? If you're going to paint the ceiling, you need different types of brushes. Are you going to remove everything against the wall? Are you going to uh, spackle the holes? So these are things that you're not really thinking about other than just, okay, it's just simple, just going to go ahead and painting. So that's why it's important to think about what's in scope, what's not in scope, and like think about removal of the furniture. Are you going to just put it into the center of the room? Are you going to take it out? And then when you bring it back in, if you decide to take it out, are you going to rearrange the furniture? So thinking through what's in scope, and if your scope is, look, I'm not going to paint the ceiling. I'm just going to paint the walls. I'm not going to paint the trim. And I'm going to leave everything as is. Then that's your initial scope. What's out of scope is what I just mentioned before, rearranging the furniture, painting the ceiling. So these are things that have become very important to think about. And that's why I say you need some time to just kind of uh, not be distracted by anything and think through what are you trying to solve? And also the last thing I'd also say is what will you tolerate? So let's say accidentally you with a paintbrush um, hit the ceiling and you've decided you're not going to paint the ceiling and it leaves a mark. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to accept it? Are you going to try to cover it? Are you going to uh, paint over it? So these are things that you also have to think about, which are considered risks. Well, that is like that's literally life, right? What are you what are you willing to put up with? 
Exactly. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? In any in any situation. Um, what's interesting about that too, because I'm I'm very um I don't know. I kind of just want to jump in, right? We got to paint something. Let's just paint it. But you really have to think about um, what you want to do. Um, and, and, you know, how long do you think it'll take you? I don't know. It's just interesting. I know the other thing you talk about in your book is having things in one place. And so I don't know, you, you know, I am a big believer in that. We have, there's way too many lists. Um, some are on, on paper. So I keep notes now. Thank you, covid I keep all my notes on um, the mail recycling. Seriously, I don't even buy paper anymore because nobody sees it, right? Unless I show it on on my live show. Um, and then I'm also, you know, sometimes I use Trello. That's what we use over at Vox Pop Me. I've used Basecamp before. Um, certainly Salesforce has some of that tech um, functionality, mostly for leads uh, and others, you know. But how do you... What are your what's your advice when it comes to keeping things in one place? And I, I assume you're not going to tell me to use um, Google spreadsheets, right? Or are you? No, I'm going to tell you to use my book because if I really think about how I designed it in there, and actually I'm going to send it over to you, so you you don't have to use the back of of uh, mail to keep your notes. So this is the reason why I created the book itself, because to the point that you raise, and look, there are definitely good uses of being able to use technology to collaborate and so forth, but nothing replaces your ability to take a pen, write things down, even being able to draft things out just to get your thoughts pen to paper. There is definitely a different uh, cognitive uh, relationship between being able to get your thoughts onto a document itself. But one of the things that I liked about and why I wanted to create something that was all in one was because not only are you thinking about the planning of it, but also you have a whole planner as far as what does the year look like? Because sometimes when you're thinking about projects or things that you want to deliver, you may, I mean, I don't know when we'll get to fly, but whenever we get to do vacations, you may want to take a vacation or you want to, you know, disconnect. But more importantly, being able to keep your notes in one place, because many times you're writing things down on multiple pieces of paper, or you buy one of those composition notebooks and you write notes and notes and notes, and then you have to flip back and forth as to where, where did I have that and what did it say? And so by being able to have a structured approach of being able to keep your notes and also writing what decisions were made become very critical, especially if you're going to be managing a project itself. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. So I um I for the most part when I scribble things down, that is real I never go back to it. Very sometimes I do, but every once in a while I'm looking back through notes and I'm thinking, yeah, this was really not meant for me to go back. But then sometimes I do have a list. Like I just had a meeting earlier and I did actually make the list. When I make the list, I do one, two, three, you know, and then I do go back and I try to check them off. Um, but why is it in the in the digital world, why is it so important? to still do that on paper? I mean, is it just a cognitive piece or what, what other advantages are there? Well, it, a, a part of it is also generational. So you have boomers, you have Gen Xers, yes, also some uh, older millennials. Uh, it's not to say that the Gen Zs and the newer generations are not taught to write by hand, but for the most part, you also have a very big generation that's used to writing on paper and you know, if I remember when I was taking penmanship, like my handwriting is chicken scratch from what it used to look like, very pretty calligraphy at some point. Um, but there is a, an essence uh, 
of making a connection as to what you're specifically writing about. One of the things that I've used and I've seen most project managers use as well is two different color pens. So one is a blue or black pen to write your specific notes and then a red pen to basically mark specific things that are important to, to the point that you raised before. Sometimes you jot things down that you never really refer back to, but then there are certain key points that you wanna remember. How do you go back and, and figure out what specifically was it that you uh, need to act on as an action item, or maybe there's a decision that's made by somebody, you wanna be able to specifically point out what decision was specifically done at that specific time. So being able to use different color pens also allow for that to be able to visually pop when you're going back through meeting minutes or specific notes that you're specifically taking. So there's various different advantages um, in being able to do that. But also, if you really, really think about it right now, everyone is so visually overstimulated with Zoom, with visual meetings. In fact, they don't want to be on camera. And I think there was this honeymoon period when we were going through COVID that everyone uh, was happy to be home and being able to communicate via video. You can be dressed from the, the waist up. Now, nobody really wants to be on video. They rather either talk on the phone or just not talk to anybody at all. So this also allows the person to really jot <clears throat> things down and put things into paper that they may be able to rest their eyes because they're constantly on the computer. Yeah, it's very, very true. I This whole being on camera all the time, it, it is truly, I'm just trying to move something around to let people know what we're doing next. Um, I, um, being on camera is, is a COVID thing because I, I worked at home before COVID and I was never on video calls all the time. Do you know what I mean? I was always on, um, I was on a phone call, quite frankly. So it's kind of interesting how that has changed. Now, the one thing I want to mention here, uh, it's going to take me a second to flip the screen. Um, as soon as we're done here, guys, if you guys want to come on over, uh, we'll share this with you. This is Bernardo's um, Amazon Live channel. I'm not logged in, Bernardo. Don't be mad at me. I do, okay. I do follow you. Actually, you know what? I can pull this over so you can see that I do follow you. On that screen, I was. now you can tell I'm following you. But find you on, um, on Amazon Live. How do they connect with you there? So if you either go and uh, go Amazon Live and then Professor Torado, or if you go to Amazon Live now, it should be in one of the main um, uh, carousels where uh, you'll be able to see what's coming up next around 5.30. So you'll be able to find me there. Uh, so you'll be able to ask me there as well. It is also on YouTube and, well, I didn't realize that Periscope is going, but also on, on Twitter for now and on uh, on um, on Facebook as well at Professor Toronto. There you go. You can see right there where it says upcoming streams. So if you go to amazon.com forward slash live, if you scroll down, you'll be able to see specifically where I'm streaming in the next session. Yep. So right there, Amazon live, amazon.com forward slash live. That's us currently. So if you're not watching on Amazon Live and you're watching on all the other channels, it's kind of a new. Um, and then the next stream is actually here, upcoming streams, as you can see. We're the, not the next one. Well, they're at the same time. So we're next. We are next. Um, how long have you been streaming on Amazon Live? 
So I've been streaming online for a couple of months, but I have to still figure out what I can and cannot stream. So I think I think some people get blocked if you don't have the product or so I've been really dedicating my stream to interview authors, uh, my favorite authors, uh, speaking of which, you know, we'll be speaking to you soon as well. So those that uh, I'm very fond of. And so that's that's why I've been streaming on there as well. But I'm also going to be looking into other things that I can use. But I love live streaming because when you're actually doing or I've done a lot of long form and even short form video, I've been doing TikToks as well. It's you can over edit and you kind of lose also sometimes the personality. And so with live, at least I can just chat and look, this is just how I am. And sometimes I try to, I've, I've gained so much weight since being on COVID. I know I'm not the only one. I'm like, oh my God, what has happened here? <laughs> so one of those things that you have to kind of figure out how to position yourself in the right way so that you don't get to see it always. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for reminding me of that. Um, I, you know, I, so this angle isn't too bad for me. Um, I have a wide angle from this side, which I typically don't use for these live streams. Uh, and it's not, let's just put it this way. It's not pretty. Um, it is not pretty. So I'm, the, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Don't worry. <laughs> oh. But anyway, guys, I wanted to mention you guys can join us there. We'll talk about storytelling, marketing, of course, going live. And that's going to be coming up here in about 20 minutes. Um, if you're listening um, on the podcast channels, of course, that's not necessarily relevant for you. But I do encourage you to check out amazon.com forward slash live. Lots of fantastic creators on there. Bernardo, thanks for joining us today. Any parting words, anything, you know, if people are thinking, well, I don't have project management going the way the way I have to, how, how do they convince the boss? Or maybe, maybe that's not the right way to go about it. I don't know. Well, there are a lot of free resources, especially because of COVID, that people, if you're really interested in learning about project management, that you can access. LinkedIn Learning has free series on how to become a project manager. You also have the Project Management Institute that has free courses as well as to how to become a project manager if you're really interested in learning about it. But if you're not really going down that path of being a project manager, I think it's just a matter of understanding some of the fundamentals. Uh, you can always hop onto my channel. I'm always talking about various different things about career advancement, including project management. But there are a lot of great creators that you can at least learn some of the fundamentals to just make sure that you're not duplicating efforts and becoming very frustrated when you're man managing a project yourself. I think at the end of the day, having good project management, whether it's you or whether it's having a dedicated PM, uh, can make our life so much easier. Um, you know, and, and yeah, they're just, they're helpful. They, they nicely nag us. That's, yes. you know, nicely remind us to get stuff done, follow through, uh, and be a good teammate. Uh, Bernardo, we'll see you in a few minutes. Really appreciate you making the time to join us on the business storytelling podcast and live stream. Uh, always learn something new from fantastic guests like you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great seeing you. I'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My Going Live book is now available on Amazon.com. And if you're in the United States, I'm happy to send you a signed copy, which you can order at paypal.me forward slash C-T-R-A-P-P-E. C-T-R-A-P-P-E forward slash 
12. Thanks for your interest. If you're not in the United States, I can't send you a signed copy. But of course, you can order on Amazon.com.